This podcast is a part of Dear Asian Youth, a youth-led magazine aimed towards Asian activism for Asian youth by Asian youth. Follow us on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, etc. at Dear Asian Youth and at Dear Asian Girl to get updates on all the latest articles, poetry and prose, podcasts, campaigns, and more. Dear Asian Girl, a podcast dedicated to uplift and share Asian girls' stories everywhere. Today we'll be talking about the imposter syndrome, racial gaslighting with Stephanie Hugh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our, what is this, fifth episode? Our fifth episode. (laughs) Already. I know. It's so fun. I've, like, kind of lost track of, like, which episodes we're on. So this is the fifth episode, yes. Um, And today I'm here with Jen. I love her, my amazing co-host. And we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome and gaslighting and kind of how our experiences have been tied to imposter syndrome. And we also have an interview here with um, Stephanie, who is the director, I believe, of Dear Asian Youth. She's the mother of Dear Asian Youth, the one who is running everything and is very amazing. I wasn't at that interview, but it has Nana, um, our other co-host, and Jen as well. So that's very fun. Um, But yeah. Oh, goodness. I don't even know where to begin with imposter <laughs> syndrome because I didn't realize I had it until I started really, really reading it. And it was basically, okay, you know what it means. It's like where you doubt your accomplishments and you're seen as a fraud. And I've definitely had those experiences. Um, I remember one time it was um, it was my speech team and we had to apply to be a captain our junior year, I think. And only three of us applied and none of, I don't think anyone thought that I was gonna get the spot. Um, I think it was like two other girls that were really heavily involved in the thing. And I was just tried it out on a whim. I was like, okay, why not try? And then apparently my interview was really, really good, but I just didn't believe it was good at all. So then I started having like little imposter syndrome. I'm like, why did I get this? Like everyone knew that like this one girl was going to get it. And literally, okay, there was like speech team awards, I want to oh, say. Wow. And this one girl like got like future captain for next year. Oh God, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then I didn't, and then all of a sudden I got it. So it was like this weird thing. And like, no one really knew who I was. Like I just started like my first year there and like I was good, but I wasn't like as good. So I just couldn't believe I got it. And ever since then, like, I've just had, like, mini imposter syndrome. Like, it hasn't been too bad. Mm-hmm. But I feel like once I get older, it's definitely going to appear more, like, in the workplace or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, just like you said, I didn't realize that I've had experiences with imposter syndrome. Because, like, I don't know if I seem like a confident person. I really feel like I don't. But mm-hmm. I am not that confident in, like, myself and, like, kind of my accomplishments and, like, when I do accomplish something, which is rare, (laughs) but when I do, (laughs) when I do, I doubt myself and I'm like, wait, but do I really have the skill set to execute this? Like things like that. And for me, it was a similar experience, I guess. Um, so bringing in my personal experience with this, um, so I fence competitively, I fence Sabre and Mm -hmm. I, my club is in Utah. So obviously fencing is not a very um popular (laughs) sport in Utah um and at my club it's me and like five other guys so automatically what's that are you the only girl yeah so yeah there's one other girl but on the competitive team who goes to like competitions it's Mm -hmm. just me and like four to five other guys and 
automatically that is like kind of frustrating to deal with. Um, but constantly I question my worth, which I should not because they're all white straight cis men and like I or amazing. Men. Yeah, yeah, I swear. <laughs> Oh God, white men. Um, <laughs> Where do we begin? <laughs> yes, seriously. Um, but I always question my abilities. Although I like, I don't see. I'm doing it again. I'm like, oh well, I'm not like the most amazing person at the club. No, like I'm just as great. I belong there. So I think, as you mentioned, like with your experience, I didn't realize that I have these moments where I'm like doubting my worth and doubting like whether I belong um, in certain positions or whatever um, subconsciously. And I think that's really tied into like. Um, more of like the upbringing of specifically minority groups. Um, but that's like a whole nother rant I could talk about. Um, yeah. yeah. I feel, yeah, like as you mentioned, it's really disproportionate to like minority groups in which um, I talked about this earlier, where it like is tied to a specific culture where you feel like you, you don't find yourself in like either culture. And I definitely had that experience where like I went to the Philippines and I would find myself and I'd be like, do I really belong here? Or I would be like in America and like, I'm not stick to the Eurocentric beauty standards and I don't fit in either though. So like, what am I? Who am I? Um, I feel like I'm an imposter in both. Like I have this tan brown skin, but I'm not, I'm like yellow on the inside or white on the inside. There we go. That's what my mom always references, a banana. <laughs> Wait, that's so funny because like my we call ourselves so a lot of we in my family my cousins and i all of us <clears throat> we call ourselves coconuts because we're like brown on the outside but white on the inside so we i have that same like um cultural like clash i guess um because i've i was born in america i've lived here all my life i relate to um stereotypical like american things right yeah. um but i am pakistani my culture is i'm south asian so i have this part of me that I don't like, like I also connect to on another level. And I think I talked about this in one of the other episodes. I don't know when I brought this up, but I, when I visited Pakistan for the first time, it was difficult to see or like have this, like I had this connection with Pakistan and I'm sure you felt this when you visited the Philippines. I think you mentioned this once. Um, but when I visited there, I like, obviously people could tell I was like from America. They're like, oh yeah, she's like, she is not Pakistani. She like, yeah. so the local people would be like, okay, she doesn't fit in. Like I speak Urdu, but I don't like speak it like well. Yeah. <laughs> I try to, but I don't. So it's very obvious that I'm like um, culturally, like I wasn't raised, I didn't grow up and was raised in like uh, Pakistan, but in the US, I obviously stand out. I have brown skin. My hair is like very poofy it's tied up right now so you guys can see it yeah. <laughs> um, and I have ethnic features and just my entire being is not stereotypical Eurocentric beauty standards of being American so I it was interesting that you brought up imposter syndrome in that sense where it's like you don't fully feel like you belong in either of these parts of who you are um so I think that's like an interesting way of looking at it because I didn't realize that that I've like experienced it that way as well yeah, I think there's many ways of dealing with the imposter syndrome because not only is it just like your hard accomplishments, it's definitely just being a fraud in general. And I don't know, I've had those experiences, but I also like, I don't know for sure. Like I feel confident in myself, but there's some days where I just like don't. And I think that's like the process of just growing up and just being like trying to find who you are and your identity. And I think that's especially prevalent in school and like mm -hmm. 
in colleges. Like I've heard a lot about in like college videos about how they always feel like they're a fraud, like they don't belong to this school. And I also feel like I don't belong in my school either because I, I've, as a kid, I've always like struggled in math and English. So I really had to like work my way up and I had to like study extra hours and I had to literally go to like Kumon, for example. Like I had to go to freaking Kumon to learn math. So I think now that I'm in all these AP classes, I know that I worked hard for what I've done mm -hmm. and this is why I'm placed in this position. But there's also like uh, the other part of me that's like, oh, I just don't belong here. <laughs> like I've worked, like I don't think I worked hard enough to be in the position that I in, I'm in. I see like all these other people with like stellar grades and they're going to like their countries to like, oh my gosh, to do like mission trips or something where they like volunteer. And it's just crazy to think that like, I'm putting myself down despite the fact that like I have so much like accomplishments behind my back and it's like this podcast is definitely one of like the things that I've like am proud of the most because yes. like, I, we worked hard for it and we've like established it and not, not a lot of people our age do this so I think we need to put like some credit on our back for that but at the same time like it's still like hard to realize that like we have these so many things you know yeah no, I completely agree, and I think what you mentioned about you going, um, like, as an, we talked about this in our model minority myth episode, where being Asian, we automatically have this stereotype against us that, oh, you're, like, supposed to be good at math, you're supposed to be smart, like, and you mentioned with your experiences, you have to go to Kumon, you have to, like, you have to work, like, really hard, which is, like, what I have to do as well, like, it's, I understand your experiences with that, because for me, um, so I attend uh, an online high school through Stanford University. It's mm -hmm. definitely a very rigorous school. And I don't really talk a lot about it because like, I feel like I don't belong there. And it's, there's a lot of very, very, very intelligent kids who go to that school. It's, it's the top like school in California um, and the top online school in like the world. So I don't talk about the, how great of a school it is because I feel like that I don't properly represent that's cool that I'm not like, I shouldn't belong there. And I got in in seventh grade. I started, it starts in seventh grade and I'm now going to be a junior. So I've been there for like four or five years, a while basically. Yeah. And being surrounded by this community of like students. And just to give you like a general idea, I know people who are like professional athletes who are also extremely smart. I know people who are doing research and for like different things and there's and some of my friends are like developing apps like it's like insane at the level of like I guess intelligence these students are at and I don't see myself at that level um even though I have had some wonderful accomplishments and have had wonderful like experiences but I don't see myself to be part of that student body and I feel like that's a form of imposter syndrome because they chose me to go to the school for a reason like when I applied they accepted me for a reason I don't know why because I was really stupid yeah. when I was like in some, when I was in seventh grade I was like oh my god I look back and I'm like why did they accept me <laughs> like I don't belong to work <laughs> you know, like, um and I don't know I feel like this is kind of a more personal like um I guess experience through the school because I've been there for like five years I still don't feel like I belong because of how accomplished my counterparts are versus like the things that I've done and like even like talking about the things that I've done, I feel uncomfortable because I'm like, do I really like feel the need to talk about this? Do, do I really feel like valued or like, am I worthy to be having these like experiences or being successful or whatever? Um, so I feel like it's specifically for women of color, imposter syndrome is very, very prevalent. 
Um, and I think it starts from a very early age when young girls are, I guess, like fed these stereotypes and fed discouragement that kind of feeds into imposter syndrome, which I think is also linked into like issues like the wage gap and why we see less women in STEM and things like that. So I like see personally from my perspective, like, I guess how imposter syndrome has like affected my life. I definitely agree with like the discouragement at such like a young age like we were sort of taught to just like stick to like a specific thing and like the stereotype that's like placed upon us we're like we're meant to be like not in the STEM field and we're not meant to do all these things I think like mm-hmm. once you reach a higher level of I guess education and achievement in which many girls of today face consider- yeah. that should be considered the norm now considering mm-hmm. like, how smart girls are in general support girls only girls yes period. (laughs) Um, I think there's just like this insecurity rooted from like stereotypes in which like are we good enough to be in this or like why did we why were we placed here in the first place was it just because of our credentials or because is it because like they needed like diversity or something Mm -hmm. like that and I think that's something like a lot of girls of today struggle with and yeah. No I completely agree that's actually interesting that you bring up like diversity too because I think Oh, tea time. One of the, one of the um, organizations I was a part of uh, for activism a while ago. I don't know if I talked about it before. I always bring it up because it's relevant in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I joined this organization. It's a really big organization. They have like, well, they're relatively big for Gen Zs. They had like 3,000 followers and now they have like 4,000, I think. I mean, Day has like 23,000. So go, go dear Asian youth. Um, I'm very proud of us, by the way. Can we just say that? That was, like, big deal. Proud of the whole day team. Um, Especially when we reached 10K. Yeah. Like, it happened so fast. <laughs> well, I didn't – it was, like, a fever dream. I, yeah. like, believe it. Oh yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. So, anyway, I was – I joined this activism team. I don't know when it was, like, two, three years ago. This is when I first was starting to get into, like, social media-based activism. And I think it's mm-hmm. Gen Z activism on social media has grown, like, a large amount in the past few years um so I joined this team and they it was very like casual type of like interview and application process like I filled out a google form and it was like the basic questions like what are you passionate about what do you bring to the team like things like that um but I do want to mention applying to dear Asian girl or dear Asian youth was um a lot more professional (laughs) than the other one just to give you an understanding (laughs) um so I applied to this organization and I worked with them on their media team for a little bit. And I realized something that was like off about it. They asked me when I was applying, like what my ethnicity was, what my like sexual orientation was, what my like, I guess like pref, like what my gender was. And I thought that was weird because when you're not technically allowed to ask people that. And also when I was a part of the team, I was like one, one or like, there's only like three women of color on this like group of like 10 white girls. (laughs) this board (laughs) and yeah it's like now that I'm seeing it all out it's so weird and I kind of questioned my like I guess worth when I was a part of that I was like am I just a part of this because of the skill set that I have or because I'm brown and they need diversity points because they preached like intersectionality and it was run by like two very very privileged white girls who lived like in New York City Mm -hmm. so I don't know I just thought I'd mention that because when you bring brought up the point about diversity like questioning your worth whether you're just here to check like be like check a box or whatever of diversity or whether you're there for like your actual skill set was like personal like I've had experience with that before 
yeah i see it like in my classroom in terms of like the privileged white people that that are in there like i was i've been i'm in like a lot of ap classes and that's for sure and you could see the disproportionate like proportion between like how many like bipoc people are in the classes compared to like the privileged white people and like mm -hmm. that also goes to show like my neighborhood in general like we are a very privileged white neighborhood like if you've seen our houses then they're like little mansions yeah. and i guess more on like the how it affects bipoc people more like disproportionately um i had to do like some research i think it was a research project for my core class and i chose the topic of women in stem um because although i'm not good at stem <laughs> i want to go into the medical field so pray for me guys let's see if we'll make it <laughs> But when I was doing my research for that, I noticed that issues like the wage gap, because I personally think the wage gap is real. I think it exists. Um, I think women are not um, paid for the skill sets that they have, even though they are like above and beyond what their male counterparts are. Um, so when I was doing research for my uh, presentation or project or whatever, I noticed that issues like when girls are growing up in their households, if you don't uplift them and you instead discourage them and tell them, oh, well, men should be the ones doing this role. You should be at home taking care of kids or whatever it is, right? And even if it isn't that, like, I guess, extreme of what you would say to your child, even if it's just, like, discouraging them and not telling them that they should take higher math classes or, um, like, more intensive courses or go into or seek higher education, that really affects their self-esteem and the way they kind of see themselves and see if they can um, be where they want to be or be in these higher positions. Um, and I thought that was interesting because you see it like, it, you have to really, uh, I guess, attack or like tackle this issue of imposter syndrome when someone is young because mm -hmm. I see the damages myself. Like, like my parents always uplifted me and like, I think it was more of like societal things that I kind of had experienced that made me have these experiences of imposter syndrome. But for my mom, um, she is Pakistani. She was born in Pakistan and she moved here when she was, I think, 11. She was really young, but she moved to New Jersey and she is very, I look up to her so much. She completed college um, at Idaho State University here where I live when oh. my, yeah, when my, because she actually didn't go to college when because she instead she had children because South Asian culture is like you need to get married when you're young and you need to have kids don't go to get an education and although my like grandparents really did stress the importance of education and getting a and getting um a degree my mom got married at 19 and had my sister at like no she got married at 18 had my sister at 19 had me like a couple years later 21 or something so she didn't go to college and two years ago she, two three years ago she completed college and now she's getting her master's so she's done amazing things she was on the city council she's very very accomplished she works with many organizations she's on a board for our family foundation so point being <laughs> i very much look up to my mother she's very successful but i've seen imposter syndrome in her and the way that she sees herself i constantly tell her i'm like mom you're fucking badass you're amazing you're literally like unbelievable and like i just tell her this all the time but she she believes it sometimes, but then at the same time, she's, like, in her mind, like, I've seen it. She's just, like, I don't, oh, well, like, I don't know if I'm worthy enough. I don't know if I should apply to this. Because she's looking to go into law, and she's, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't apply to, like, like um, any university or whatever, because I don't know if I'm, like, good enough. But I know that she's good enough, but it's 
kind of frustrating to see this happen. And we see this in the generation um, a little bit older than us, more prevalent. I don't know if, have you had experiences with that with your family members? Um, my mom, not really in terms of imposter syndrome. I feel like my mom is a very confident person and she, she works for what she deserves. And like, she has that mindset. She's like, I'm doing this in order for me to like be the best that I can be. And, but she's definitely had those moments, at least, at least in terms of my age, when she was like 17 to 21 and what she like didn't think she deserved it or like because of like mm -hmm. everything. But I definitely feel like she doesn't really have that because she just has such a confident mindset in herself. And I like what you mentioned earlier about how like the foundation in terms of like imposter syndrome really starts with your family mm -hmm. and sometimes because like I don't know it depends on how like well the parent treats you I guess you can say in terms of like uplifting and supporting you and in terms of my parents like they've always been really supportive and they've always been like on top of it in terms of everything so I feel like yeah no I don't know for sure like I don't know if my mom's ever addressed it to me if she's ever had those doubts but um yeah yeah no I agree I think um specifically I don't know if you've experienced this yourself but for me, I think my parents definitely uplifted me a lot, just like your parents did. And like, I still experienced it, but just because of outside things that are being like, I guess, portrayed to me. Um, like when I was younger, I would see not many women of color in leadership positions, things like that. So I think that definitely affected me in that sense. And I think for my, my mom and like her generation, she's very young. She's like 35. She's very young. Um, yeah, she, she had kids early. So she's very, very young for being a mom of three kids, especially when my sister's 19. So it's like kind of crazy to me. But um, anyway, what I was saying was my mom literally got a master's degree in like, um, well, she's getting her master's, but she has a degree in public health and things related to um, issues regarding like activism because she's researched like um, the importance of having like people of color on like foundation boards and in leadership positions, things like that. But I've noticed like whenever in my extended, my extended family would have like disagreements regarding like um, colonialism, people of color and their disparities they faced, my mom would be quiet, like she would try bringing up points, but she would just be shut down and constantly being shut down within these arguments, I think has fed to her experiences with imposter syndrome. And I'm like, mom, you literally have a degree in this shit. Like, why are you not like mm -hmm. telling these people what is actually like factually correct and what isn't when it comes to like these arguments and things. But to a certain extent, it's like, you can't really fight that sort of battle. I think it really has to come within you. You have to constantly remind yourself and be like I am worthy I'm amazing and I belong here so I think it comes from like more of that but I think for I think imposter syndrome is more prevalent in those generations um because if I compare my experiences with my mother's I don't really see as imposter, imposter syndrome being as prevalent in me or my sister I think yeah I think it definitely like as you said it comes with a generational gap in which um they definitely had to go through a lot more obstacles than we have in terms of like just basically living in general. And I feel like that goes to show like we need to have these conversations with ourselves and we need to like maybe, I don't know, journal it down, write it down, talk to ourselves about like what is beneficial for us and like how do we see ourselves and having those conversations in which like you are worthy and that you are, you are deserving of like this top spot and whatever you deserve. It's like really crucial to at least your self-esteem and 
trying to take away those feelings of imposter syndrome. And I've definitely had those experiences like in school and just like myself, even like friend groups where mm-hmm. I'd be like, do I deserve to be here? Is, like, does mm-hmm. my personality mesh with this other person? Like, is this who I'm supposed to be with? Like, do I deserve to be in this spot? And I think just like laying down that foundation that you are worthy, that you do deserve this is like crucial. I think. Yeah. No, and I completely agree. Um, I think like it really does come, as we kind of talked about this earlier, it comes from obviously like at a young age, it's very important too, but if you can't really, in order to counter that, um, because our generation does have, uh, has had experiences with imposter syndrome, at least from my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- and I agree with you. I think a way to combat this doubting of your worth is to uplift yourself. And I definitely need to admit that I do not do that enough okay. I to do better. <laughs> um, but constantly reminding yourself that I am, I'm worthy. I am valid. And like my experiences and what I've, um, accomplished is, amazing and I deserve to be at have a seat at the table you know what I mean um but no I completely agree with that yeah speaking of like another experience I remember in eighth grade um there was like a musical um and it was Cinderella and I think it was like two three or four other people and um I know two of them were like really involved in the choir and everything so I definitely think they deserved it more but then I just tried out, out, out on the whim for usual, like, <laughs> I got it, and yeah. I just felt, like, those feelings of imposter syndrome again, where I didn't feel like I deserved it, like, I didn't, like, take these extra milestones in which they, like, worked super hard for, and I think, like, my mom taught me that, in which, like, you deserve what you got, you deserve, like, everything that you did, because you also work just as hard, if not maybe less, but more so, um, and I think that's, like, that's why I'm so proud that I have a mom like her, that she's, so confident in herself and that she doesn't have those feelings as much to where she can like give some advice to me in order for me to like take those feelings of imposter syndrome in a way and that she's just so open about me expressing like my vulnerabilities and like she accepts vulnerability with like open arms and um she's able to like accept me for like who I am in terms of like my imposter syndrome like she doesn't diminish it at all or like she tries to find like a healthy alternative to it. And I think that's something like, that's what's so good about having like my, my mom as a parent, especially where she just like grew up so loved by her family. And she sort of like established that to me. And I think that's like what needs to be, what, what needs to happen for like at least future generation and like our kids. Yeah. Like the imposter syndrome, because it's something that's like been prevalent since forever. And I definitely think like, we do deserve, as you said, the seat on the table, like, we deserve, like, everything that we did, that we achieved for, because, like, we work hard for it. Yeah, I completely agree, and I see, like, with my mom's experiences with imposter syndrome, she knows that, like, when she, like, deals with it, she notices it, and my sister and I always have to be, like, mom, you're amazing, like, (laughs) shut it down, and she does the same for us, like, my sister, like, has, is very, very accomplished, like, she's done amazing things, and I'm sure she's had experiences with imposter syndrome. And like you mentioned, like, I'm so grateful to have a mother who like is open about her experiences and also is open to accepting like me being vulnerable about like imposter syndrome and like, I guess my experiences with that and who constantly reminds me that I am a bad bitch. You know what I mean? Like, and (laughs) I'm glad to have a mom who does that because it's not very common, but I think as you mentioned, like for future generations, like it is our job. Um, 
if any of us do plan on having kids or like or not but it's just important to I guess continue to feed them and keep them like feed their confidence I guess but not their ego if that makes sense because like it's different being egotistical um (laughs) um but I I agree I think like it it's definitely a difficult issue to tackle but um I guess it's our job to constantly remind ourselves and future generations that they are worthy of everything that they have achieved I think it's so nice to have these conversations in terms of imposter syndrome and like actually asking people how they feel about it because like it brings out some empathy towards another person where you realize like, Oh, I'm not the only one experiencing these things. Like this is happening to like the smartest person in the room where they feel like they they're like an imposter too. So Mm -hmm. I think having these conversations like really takes a step back and like you feel some sort of gratitude for yourself and like how hard you worked for, because like everyone's experienced the same thing and that you are doing the most that you can. And I think that's like, what's really important in order to combat I guess, imposter syndrome and like racial gaslighting in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's a good point that you bring up where it's like, even just having these conversations about imposter syndrome and I hope our like viewers and audience can feel the same way that like us opening up about our experiences makes you realize that, um, that everyone kind of goes through imposter syndrome and feeling like they don't belong, even though they are very accomplished. Um, or they, they even maybe like, as you mentioned, they may even be like the smartest person in the room, but they can still feel, have like feel these experiences where they don't feel like they're enough. So I think we're, I'm very glad that we talked about this for this episode because it's definitely an issue that not many, um, I guess, minority groups specifically realize that they have. Um, because as you mentioned, both of us, like we didn't realize we've had experiences with imposter syndrome until we kind of recognized what it was and kind of looked back at our experiences and our accomplishments and realized that we both kind of fall victim to imposter syndrome ourselves where we don't feel like we belong, even if we are very, very accomplished. Because I can say, Jen, you are very amazing and you are very smart and very, um, and everything that you achieve, you definitely deserve. So I can say that with 100% confidence. <laughs> no, only not literally, like, the fact that you got to, like, Stanford, like, that online school. Like, no. <laughs> you're so accomplished. You're literally amazing. And, okay, story time. Literally the yes. first time we, like, ever really talked was through our first episode. So the fact that, like, we're super, like, sort of close and that we can actually talk about these things without feeling super awkward, like, that's an accomplishment in general. Yeah. And, like, I'm happy that we just have this sort of chemistry that we can, like, go back and forth on. Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't imagine, like, anyone else, like, talking <laughs> with me about these stuff. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Like, I was, I was very excited to join this podcast, and I was just worried that, like, I wouldn't go well with, like, another co-host or something, because I, I think that I kind of can make friends with like anyone um but like I was very very surprised when I met you because I feel like we have such a good chemistry and like I like love you so much you are like such a good friend you're such a good person to work with um but you're amazing and I'm like I just love this whole like podcast with you because like I don't know you're amazing but I'm it's exciting you can't see (laughs) you know you can see I'm like oh my god girl what (laughs) girls Um, sporting girls you love it yes we do Okay, hi guys. We have a really special guest here. Actually, she is the founder of Day. Do you want to introduce yourself, Stephanie? 
Yeah, okay. So, um, hi guys. My name is Stephanie. Um, I'm the founder of Dear Asian Youth. I'm currently a high school junior living in Southern California. And sorry if my voice sounds gross. It's like, I am never up this early and it's like 10 a.m. So it's kind of bad. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Today's topic today, we're going to be talking about the imposter syndrome. And if you guys don't know what the imposter syndrome is, um, I searched it up. It's basically a psychological pattern in which one's doubts, in which like a person doubts their accomplishments, it has a fear of being seen as a fraud. So I don't really know where this like specifically comes from. I don't think it comes from anything from anxiety or depression, but I think it's just something like everyone occasionally has. Yeah. But um, like the feeling yeah. of self doubt or incompetence, just for your own reasons or disbelief in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But Stephanie, do you want to elaborate on that? Like, have you had any personal experience with the imposter syndrome? And like, how has that been for you? Yeah, so um, kind of for me, it's just like a lot of self-doubt. Um, and like, like, what, like what you said, like feeling like a fraud. Um, and personally, I don't know. It's like, I kind of always have that in the back of my mind. It's like if I achieve something or if I like, um, like if I hit like a milestone, there's still something in the back of my mind that's kind of like, but did you, you know, really deserve that? Or like, yeah, like constant, just like self-doubt in the back of my mind, I guess. Yeah. Have you had that experience with like day? Like, ever since you founded it? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, that's super successful, but I feel like you've definitely had, like, your doubts on it every now and then, like, considering, like, you think that, like, oh, this is, like, I could be doing more or something like that, or, like, I'm not doing enough. Or maybe you didn't really do, like, everything that you really could have done to, like, do, like, get it this far, you know? <laughs> well, I, I guess it's just, like, um, definitely have had... Uh, my fair share of self-doubt regarding like day um I don't know it's just like a lot of the times it's like me asking myself like oh my gosh am I doing enough or like if something kind of goes wrong um I usually end up blaming myself (laughs) um yeah and then kind of just like like oh my gosh like here are the ways that like I could have done a lot better even though like like, now that I think back at it, you know, maybe that was all that I could do at the time. But, like, there's constantly kind of, like, saying, like, I'm not doing enough. Or, like, they're not going to see me as someone who's, like, worthy of, like, leading such a team. Like, things like that kind of have, I guess, hindered my, um... Crap, why can I not think right now? You guys can cut it. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I've definitely had those experiences, especially now um, deciding like which activities are like the top priority for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like I take on all these like roles and stuff that like maybe I don't have enough time for. But at the same time, like I still put in 100% of the effort because I feel like I'm not doing enough or I feel like I'm not good enough for it. So I feel like I always have to like constantly push myself to do more. And I think it's just like the competitive mindset in me. Because I've, I I com- constantly compare myself to other people and see what they're doing. Especially people yeah. on, like, social media. Because I feel like everyone does, like, 100% more than I do. So just mm-hmm. looking at that and just having that little, like, 
imposter syndrome in my the back of my brain and just me like realizing that like oh I'm not doing enough I should be doing more even though I have like all these credentials behind my back all these accomplishments that I've like constantly been doing it's just like it's crazy for me to think about and I just it's like I don't know for sure if it's like an insecurity or not but I feel like it's good and bad I don't know for me like I can't really relate because I'm not a competitive person at all like I can be for certain things but very few things like I'm so scared by the idea of competition just like doing that just makes me like so scared and like I don't know I feel like I'm supposed to feel that like high adrenaline whenever I'm given an opportunity like oh I should have this like rush of like you know urge to like do the best I can like you know put all my best like effort into this but I won't feel that and like from that I'll feel imposter syndrome I don't know if you guys have felt the same way but yeah that's what it's like for me specifically yeah um same like kind of going back to what Jen was saying about like social media um there are some really impressive people on there oh my god (laughs) it's just like oh my god holy crap how could they have like done so much at such a young age and then also like what you said that feeling of like not doing enough and kind of comparing myself and it's like okay like I literally last night I was writing down on my notes I was like these are all the things that I do and then I was like and then I looked at someone else's list of accomplishments and I was like crap like I need to step on my game yeah. but it's like I'm already yeah. literally slaving away every single day <laughs> working I'm like what the frick really Stephanie <laughs> like, does so I'm, like, much I'm so in depth with like things I'm doing and then like when I write it down a list what I did today I'm like this is nothing like I could have done so many of these in just like a second, but I wasted so much time on it. So I feel mm-hmm. like one, I'm really like shit at time management and like two, I'm just not focusing on the bigger picture and like this will mean nothing in the real world, which it could be half true, but like there's always that doubt in my head. I definitely feel that like, I feel like I'm not doing enough and I feel like I'm constantly wanting to be, I don't even know if it's like constantly wanting to be better. I feel like I'm such like a self, like I like, know like my inner thoughts really well so I know that I'm not doing it for myself I feel like I'm doing it for other people or I'm doing it to for like a college app or for a resume sometimes and like that's something I always want to like internally check on myself because like if I but I also find a passion in it so it's kind of like this dichotomy between like um doing it for a college resume and doing it just because I love it and I think that's what that's what's so bad about the education system like I'm just gonna go off on it real quick like the fact that we have to do so much for college and okay I was talking about this with one of my friends yesterday and um our school basically our school was basically funded by like one of the architects for our like one of our campuses was is famous for making prisons like it's a famous prison architect that created our one of our campuses in my school which I didn't realize until now. So I fully realized, realized that school is a prison and they're making us like robots <laughs> to like fit Wait, into the society. Guess what, guess what. Go, go. At least your school wasn't made to be a prison. That's so true. <laughs> My school was. Actually? It was, it was built to be a prison and they turned it into a school. It was a joke. No. I thought it was a joke. Like, school is yes. not joking. It literally was made to be a prison and my, um, like our rival's school was made to be a dumpster. A dumpster? <laughs> How does that work? <gasps> I know it's bad. Okay. I'm pretty sure my school needs to be a mental hospital, so I don't know. There's probably some people haunting us. 
haunting us to get the bad grades. Yeah. Oh my god. Our Asian ancestors being like, get that A, you're not worthy, get that A. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like just speaking like of teachers in general, like I feel like, you know, as Asian girls, like they give us high expectations or like specifically, like from my experience, they'll expect me to know everything specifically about my culture, like my Indian heritage. Like in sixth grade we were learning about I don't even know, like um ancient Indian civilizations and like I didn't know nothing in that area and I was just like, Okay, I don't deserve to be in this class. I don't deserve to like, you know, call myself Indian or Punjabi. Like I don't deserve this title, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's super true the point that you kind of brought up that you know imposter syndrome doesn't only have to affect you like academically or achievement wise, but that it can also be a really real thing when you're looking at it from like a cultural perspective. And um, I definitely have had that kind of mindset as well regarding my culture. So I'm American born Chinese, but I've lived in China for like, um, more than half of my life actually wait has it been i don't even know can't do math it's too early for this. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so i lived in china from the ages of like four to 12 i believe mm-hmm. um yeah four no four to 13 so um i kind of like always put myself in knowing that, you know, like, I should have learned more Mandarin. I should have been more culturally connected to my roots. But during my time there, I went to an international school. So I was, like, immersed by English, and I was learning about, like, things that um, a child living in America would have learned at that same time. So I didn't really have an opportunity to really immerse myself in, like, my culture, even though I, like, speak the language. But, you know, I constantly think that, like, I should have done better. I could have done better. And, like, I should have taken more time to learn my language. Yeah, I get that. Like, it's almost as if, you know, like, living in America, being Asian, like, you're, like, separated with two worlds. Like, on my family side, my mom's always like, oh, you have to learn, like, all these, like, languages, you know, like, Punjabi. Let's just go with Punjabi. You can learn (laughs) Punjabi, Tamil, like, Bengali, all these languages. (laughs) And, like, I'm over here, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know any single one of these languages, like, I can barely understand you guys when you talk, like, at rapid, like, what's it called, like, paces, I'm so lost, and, like, with family reunions, I feel like I'm not supposed to be there, like, I'm just that just American child that is, like, being disrespectful or just not, like, supposed to be there or doesn't belong, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like the imposter syndrome, I, like, did a little more research on it, and I realized that, like, it's especially prevalent in, like, disproportionate underrepresented groups, like, basically BIPOC people, because, like, not only are you, like, facing, like, the everyday struggles of, like, work, where you don't feel like you're working hard enough, but you're also dealing with, like, two different cultures that you're, like, basically emerging in, and as you said, like, being Asian American, there's, like, you have, like, one specific culture, like, for example, me being in the Philippines, like I have my Filipino culture, like over there in the mainland, but then I also have American culture and like trying to fit that in between, you find yourself like wondering if you're good enough for either or. And I think that's like a big struggle for like most BIPOC people like living here, especially, and like trying to find that healthy mix between the two. But at the same time, like, you feel like you're not good enough for either because you you know some of the stuff in one specific part of the culture, but you, you're you not, like, 100% that culture because you also just live, like, in America as well. 
Yeah, and part of me is, like, wants to be more, like, whitewashed or American because, like, you know, it's considered, like, a first-world country or whatever. Like, India, like, has all this representation for being poor, like, not being able to take care of itself, having crazy police, like, brutality, having crazy weather, like, government. And I feel like it sucks to be associated with that, so I'll try to make myself more, like, whitewashed and things like that. And, like, I don't know, do you guys ever feel that way with your, like, heritage? Yeah, I definitely get that because... I personally think that, you know, the way that um, American, like, mainstream media portrays other countries isn't exactly representative of um, what actually goes on. Because personally, I've lived in China for a a long time, and um, I, like, know the people, I eat their food, um, and it's a really, like, beautiful country. It's really, like, forward-thinking. It's very innovative. And then when I see pictures of like China on the media, it's kind of just like, like, oh, the whatever, like, it's just like poverty stricken, which definitely I agree is a problem. But it's like, if you're going to show that part of China, also show the good parts, you know, like, I lived in one of the biggest cities in the world, and it's called Shenzhen, and it's right across from Hong Kong. And then we had like, things that America couldn't even begin dreaming about. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was so cool. Um they like literally um like buildings that what are they called again? The sky skyscrapers. Yes, there's so many skyscrapers. I forgot what they were called. Um yeah, but there are like so many skyscrapers. Um it was like really, really beautiful. Um and I just feel like, you know that side of like our homelands should be represented represented as well yeah mm-hmm. for sure like pollution is a big thing in india but like i don't know people will turn that into thinking oh it's a dirty country like the government doesn't know what they're doing and like you know it's just like one of those <clears throat> poverty-stricken countries like you said yeah yeah also like in the philippines as well you can see like yes there are slums and I'm, we're going to admit that but literally in like, some of the islands are gorgeous. Like, Boracay is one of, like, the most, like, famous islands, like, out there, and it's gorgeous for, like, tourism, and it's, the beaches are gorgeous. Like, I went there maybe, like, 2016 with my family, and, like, just seeing the beauty and, like, the, like, the nature, like, oh my god, you, United States couldn't compare to the standard of living during that time. Like, it's, even in, I went to visit Japan for even a day, and the toilets, like, come on, the toilets are, like, 100%. (laughs) You guys are, like, next level X game modes, like, the heck? Yeah, literally, <laughs> it's so nice. It's, like, so, I, yeah. I myself can't even say I've been to India. Like, that's how whitewashed I am. But my mom grew up in Singapore, born and raised there. And it's so beautiful there. Like, the technology there, the people there, like, it's such a great atmosphere, like, all together. Like, mm-hmm. Americans just can't get to that level. Yeah. like okay this is kind of getting sidetracked but like I never understood when people were like like America is the greatest country in the world mm-hmm. like excuse me sir have you been to all the countries yeah have you explored I've been to because I've been to those countries and let me tell you sir like that <laughs> that's like a very big um disparity like America sorry like in my opinion couldn't really compare I like those TikToks where like the the person is like 
if you hate your country, then just leave. I would gladly leave my country. I would gladly leave the U.S. You know how much family I have there? Do you know how much I can immerse myself in my own culture and actually, like, be 100% myself? Yes, gladly. I would love to do that. Yeah. Even, like, part of the government wants us to do that. So, like, part of that is also, like, for me, when I think about, like, migrating, like, my mom was literally talking about this yesterday. It's funny timing but like how she would love us to go back to like you know Canada or like Singapore because we have a lot of family there it feels like it would be a loss because America is seen as like you know again a first world country or like you know better standards even though that's so not true but it'll still feel like an eternal loss for me because I'm already that whitewashed and Americanized if that makes sense. I get that too because at least like growing up here I guess I was like immersed so much in the American culture that I sort of like lost my identity because of it because I would try to assimilate to like the American culture and like the way they dress like their skin products like that's predominantly more for white people um the media that I would watch instead of watching like my Filipino telenovelas I would end up watching like Disney Channel and I've like and that's what's so weird because going like maybe from ages like maybe three to maybe seven I would watch like Filipino telenovelas but then once I immersed myself in school and I sort of like got that little like imposter syndrome on myself where I like realized like I wasn't good enough despite how hard I was working to try to combine these two cultures that's when I started to like completely let go of my Filipino culture and just try to like be um American as much as I can and like and that then I realized that like that wasn't that shouldn't have happened. I shouldn't have let myself be that way. I should have like confronted my own feelings and like talked to my parents and like tried to learn as much as I can. And that's like one of like one of the biggest regrets I have is like not doing it at such an early age and that I'm just realizing it right now. And my mom would always say, I told you so or something yeah, like yeah. that after like me trying to like talk to her about it. And I think I've definitely realized that now, but it's always, it's going to be a journey, especially living here. Like, there's no way that I can't, like, deal with both of them. But at least I'm more aware of it than I was beforehand. Yeah, awareness is, like, the first step. Like, for me, there's always just going to be some, like, it's dramatic, like, a bit of self-hate towards, like, being Indian. Because, like, I'm sure you guys have seen those TikToks where it's, like, uh, what race would you not date? And, like, I feel like so many of them are like Indian I'm just like oh shit like I'm just gonna walk away like okay bye I don't know just like imposter syndrome you know right like like you were saying like you know skin products for like um white people like the same way I feel like I'm not the beauty standard in America like I'm not seen as beautiful or like you know self-sufficient or like things like that like I'm just like a nobody almost which is dramatic but like it's what we're like what I'm treated to be seen as you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really get that, like, um, that feeling of, like, being a fraud when you don't fit into, like, white America's definition of being Asian, Mm -hmm. that feeling of being a fraud when you don't fit into, like, your culture's definition of being Asian, but, like, what the fuck are you? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, pick a side. Yeah. That also comes with, like, school and work as well, because some, like, you know about, like, affirmative action and everything, and, like, the office place and the workspace, like, were you placed there just because you wanted, they wanted more diversity points, or were you placed there because of your actual hard work and your accomplishments, and I think that's, like, a lot of 
things that like BIPOC people face in terms of like getting into the workspace and really like rising and building yourself up. And I think, I don't know, that's just like a big thing that like, people deal with. It's not even just self-doubt all the time. Like there will be other people questioning you like based, they will only see your skin color, like, you know, your gender, like any other part of you and say like, oh, that's the reason they caught it, not for anything else. They'll just blatantly assume like that's the number one reason, despite any hard work you might've had, any effort you would have put into the getting that position or getting to that school. That's what they like, that's immediately like their first thought, which is like just such a horrible stereotype. And yeah, just thing to live by. Yeah, I think that, like, um, for sure, like, anybody who gets into those programs or, like, those schools, they get in because they deserve it. Mm -hmm. Like, they get in despite the systemic oppression and racism they face. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, like, to to push all that away, to deny systemic racism, and then to say you only got in because you're insert skin color, Mm -hmm. then that really like discredits any of their work. And I think really contributes to this idea of like being an imposter, especially at, um, it, it contributes to this idea of being an imposter in this kind of like higher level of education. Yeah. It's sometimes you have to put, like, in extra work to, like, be seen as colleges because they already have set us to this high standard, like you were saying about how, oh, every Asian person that's, like, applying to us should be at this standard, like, you know, white people can be at this standard, you know, and, like, that's only, like, half the part of reaching it because then you're going to be, like, every other Asian person who's applying, you have to, like, go above and beyond, and yet people will just erase that and be like, oh, no, affirmative action, you know, you just got in because of that. last little bit we have for you Stephanie is do you have any advice for the Asian girls out there dealing with this sort of um, racial gaslighting and like imposter syndrome yeah so I think that um, you know I'm not like an expert on kind of how to go about the situation because I know that it's something that I definitely still struggle with myself but looking back in times when I did feel that like feeling of self-doubt or feeling like a fraud I think that what I would have really liked to hear is that like you're doing all that you can you're doing so much so just take a chill pill (laughs) first of all and kind of um, like recognize all that you're doing and recognize that you know you are enough and that you're doing all that you can um, and those efforts shouldn't be like going to the trash can like these efforts should be recognized and appreciated by not just the people around you but also by yourself Aww. yeah 100% that was really good I, I like think like uh, sometimes I like to look at myself and like my accomplishments and everything from the perspective of someone else like I'll look at them as if they're a list of something like things someone else has done so like I'm not as critical on myself because I feel like there's like a saying that like we are our own worst critics so like I'll try to you know detach myself from it and look at it from a fresh perspective and think oh wow like this person's doing a lot of amazing things and then like I'll remind myself that I am that person that I am truly accomplishing things because I am working hard and putting effort towards them so maybe if that works for people, hopefully it'll make you feel better about yourself. Yeah. Well, it was so nice having you, Stephanie. It was yeah. awesome to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. <laughs>
Want more of Dear Asian Girl? You can find us everywhere on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. We're on everything. Can't get enough? Subscribe, follow, rate, review to get all the updates and the latest on DAG. Let us know your feedback and what we can do to improve. Want to be a part of the podcast or Dear Asian Youth? Go on DearAsianYouth.org and click Contact to be a part of the DAG and Day Team. We'd love to have more hosts. We have our own Instagram. Follow us at Dear Asian Girl to receive updates on all the latest episodes and fun fact about the hosts. We'd love for you to reach out. DAG, Dear Asian Girl, a podcast dedicated to uplift and share Asian girl stories everywhere. For the Asian girl, by the Asian girl. Logo by Kristen Huynh, produced and edited by Genesis, and produced on Anchor. Thank you.